0: Now, Spike and Otis, the Baybridge spokesbirds. Otis, is it time to go or time to stay? Go or stay where, Spike? The beach, of course. Well, then it's both. It can't be both. It can be both. Just go early and stay late. Tell them how, lady. Avoid Baybridge delays when you go early and stay late. Get 24-7 traffic updates at 1-877-BAYSPAN at the MDTA on Twitter or baybridge.com.
1: Hey, this is Carla from the Butcher Babies. This is George Corcoran, the Fisher from Canva of the Corp. Hey, this is Rex from Kill Devil Hill. This is Wednesday 13. This is Dad from
2: Devil Driving. This is Odorous from
1: water You're listening to rabbit Noise. On rabbit Radio.
2: Turn it up. Hey, Dino, how are you, man?
1: Good, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, good, dude.
1: Nev, yeah, where are you calling from. Yeah, but what, what city? Oh, what, what city?
2: You Gold Coast.
1: Gold <laughs> Coast. Yeah. <laughs> love, the,
2: love
1: the Gold Coast. Love the Gold Coast. Been there a few times.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you, you have. You played, I remember, Big Day Out. I remember seeing you Big Day Out. And I think it was the Playroom. Years ago. I think it was, like, your first tour here. You played, like, yeah, the Playroom. Yeah. yeah. Years hmm.
1: ago, like, 1993, we
2: were there. Oh man, I remember I was just under the age, so I couldn't see you guys, but I remember seeing like the, the poster on the side of the venue, and I was real bummed. <laughs> <'Cause I> was...
1: <laughs> now Fear Factory's coming back again, and we are extremely excited to come down there and uh, play songs off our new album, Texas. Plus, you know, of course, a lot of uh, the classic Fear Factory songs that everybody loves to hear.
2: It's going to be awesome, dude. We can't wait. Because, I mean, by the looks of things, you guys have taken a couple of months off since touring last year, and you're about to kick off a massive world tour at the end of March. Is that right?
1: Yes, we are doing the U.S. We're doing the U.S. uh, first. We're doing a demanufacture 20-year anniversary here in the U.S. This is the first time that we're doing it uh, in the U.S. because we did it in Australia a couple of years ago. We just got back from doing it in Europe. Uh, last, uh, you know, uh, ended in December. Now we're going to do it here in March. And then obviously we go back to Australia again in June. And then uh, July so far looks like we have off, uh, which is good. Summer. And then um, we go back to Europe for all the summer festivals. And I believe after that we come back for another U.S. tour. So we got a lot of stuff going on.
2: Yeah, it doesn't look like you you really stop it, apart from that that month off. But you you probably need that, man. Do you still, you know, do you still enjoy the the process of going out on those long tours after all these years? Um, I definitely
1: do enjoy it. I mean, it's uh it's been a, it's been part of my life, you know, for the past twenty five years. And uh, you know, I love getting out there, playing in front of the fans, going from different cities, different countries, you know, and uh, just experiencing new things, or <clears throat> you know. I have friends in a lot of different countries, so I like seeing them, hanging out with them, um, them taking me to new places, stuff like that. Um, you know, we do have a lot of friends in Australia, so I can't wait to get out there and go see them. Um, yeah, I, yeah, we definitely do enjoy it. Of course, there are times when you miss home and you want to go home, and uh, when we get like two months off or we get a month off here and there, I love it. You know, it, you get to spend time with your family, and sometimes... I like to bring the family on the road with me, so that's, that's, that that works out good. Are
2: you going to bring them down to Australia? Uh,
1: I've brought my wife there, I believe, four times already. So possibility that she might come this time.
2: Yeah, cool, man. Come hang out. <laughs> well, I mean, you've been you've been here enough times, as you were saying before. I mean, you might as well be you'd probably be considered Australian citizens by now. <laughs> yeah,
1: we've been going uh, since nineteen ninety three, and we've been pretty much. Been there at least once or twice per record, so you know. So this is our ninth record, so you can imagine how many times we've been there. You know
2: what I mean? And uh, plenty more on the way. I don't think this one's going to be. Plenty long. more
1: on the way. Yeah, we're not. No, we're not stopping anytime soon.
2: <laughs> that's what we want to hear, man. Well, uh, as as you mentioned before, be young for that. Yeah. Well, that's it, man. I mean, hey, well, there's dudes in their eighties. Uh, still going out there and and kicking ass. Why not? You're not even (laughs) up there yet. so No, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, man, uh, as you mentioned before, you're going to be playing to manufacture in full on uh, the upcoming U.S. dates, but we were lucky enough uh, to get that a couple of years ago, and I believe we, we were the first, weren't we, that that happened? Yes,
1: you guys were the first. Yes, you guys were the first because... Um, Australia was the first country that uh, we got a gold record for demanufacture, so we decided to do that first.
0: Well, man,
2: like, everyone loves that album down here. Uh, well, everyone loves that a- album anyway, but man, that's that's a really, personally, to me, that re- album is a, a really important album. And, uh, you know, I believe that GeneXus is right up there with it as well, as in songwriting and uh it also feels like a, a straight sequel to the album as well. Do you get that vibe from those songs when you play them side by side with the uh, the manufacture stuff?
1: Well, you know, when we were uh, crafting this album, we wanted to make sure that it had that vibe to where, you know, the songs that you the songs that you play live from the record, it's going to go translate well live. Now, know, obviously, we've had a lot of experience touring the world. And we know what songs work better live and what songs didn't don't, don't work live. I you know, you know, I, we noticed like when we play massive festivals, and if you put a really groovy track, it translates to thousands of thousands of people. And so mm. when we were making this record, we wanted to make sure that it was still extremely powerful, still had all the elements that make Fear Factory what it is, but we wanted to bring back some of the groove elements that, which translates to a lot of people, you know, live. Um, Because people like to move, whether they're slam dancing or just dancing or headbanging, they just like to move. So uh, like songs like Soul Hacker has a really big groove to it. Mm. And uh, it also has a very big hook, you know what I mean? Songs like Regenerate, you know, they just have these really cool elements that we feel that can translate really well live. And we took our time, you know, doing this record. So I think that really uh, taking your time really... Helped us focus on the parts that you know needed to be either you know cut out or worked out. You know, it gave us time to to, to craft the song as best as they could be.
2: Yeah, I love it, man. I, I love this album, and I to the point, man. I would love to hear you guys also do that in full.
1: You know what? You're not the first person who said that. A lot of people actually said that. and yeah. I think that's amazing. And uh, you know, I think that if we were to do anything like that the next
2: thing would have to be obsolete. True. Yeah, see, obsolete. Oh, man, because there's so many good albums. (laughs) Maybe you could do, like, uh,
1: how...
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know how, like, uh, I don't know if you know a band called Coheed and Cambria. But they uh, they, they did this big uh, thing where they played, like, each night they played their albums in full. You know, maybe you could do that kind of thing. I mean, fans would eat that (laughs) up.
1: Yeah, um, you know, yeah, that's a possibility. You know, that's, that's definitely a possibility. What what You know, if we were as big as Coheed and Cambria, <laughs> we could probably get away with doing something like that. You know, do one night, demanufacture in the same venue, then the next night in the same venue do Obsolete. You know, you'd have to have two sold-out shows, really, to make that possible.
2: That would suck. What do you mean as big as, as Coheed?
1: Maybe in Australia, but not. I don't think in America. I'm not sure. I, honestly, I'm not even sure. I just assume they were bigger.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone loves Fear Factory. It's like a metal food group. You know, I, <laughs> you got to have your Fear Factory. I mean, everyone I know loves Fear. Factory. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so we
1: we definitely left our mark in Australia. You know, I think we did a lot of work um, going there. Like I said, every record we went there. At least once or twice, I believe. Demanufacture, we went there three times in two years.
2: Wow! Yeah, yeah, we did. We did a headlining
1: tour. We did the big day out, then we did another a following headlining tour after the big day out. So, yeah, you know, we've been there quite a lot. Obsolete we were there twice. You know, it's like each record. You know, like I said, we've been there two, two, three, one or two to three times. So we've probably been there at least 15 times, you know. And we did a lot of work in Australia, you know, laying down the groundwork, trying to make, you know, Fear Factory a household name.
2: Well, it definitely worked, man, because you definitely are to us down here. Fear Factory is pretty important to us Australians, that's for sure.
1: We definitely fell in love with Australia the first time we went there. We fell in love with the culture. We fell in love with the people. You know, obviously the scenery is beautiful you know, the beaches and even going hiking in some of the mountains and seeing some of the waterfalls, um, you know, doing all that great stuff. I just, we fell in love with the country, you know, we love the accents.
2: <laughs> can you do an Australian accent? A lot of Americans come. G'day, mate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I can do it great. Get a dog up here, mate.
2: That's the one. <laughs> well, man. Uh, I think
1: mine is more out, outback probably accent.
2: Yeah, you're
1: stronger yeah. than uh, I couldn't. I couldn't like do a like a. I couldn't really do a city accent, you know, like a Melbourne. I couldn't do a Melbourne or a Sydney accent. I can only do it like if you could go further out there, yeah. like in, <laughs> like people say, you know, I guess you know people who live in the bush. I guess they would call that. They would say that.
2: That's exactly right. Um,
1: that's the accent I can do.
2: It's <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, uh, man, Fear Factory started off my love of industrial music and, uh, of course, introduced me to bands like Ministry and Gary Newman and stuff like that. What was the first band that introduced you to that sound that had the biggest impact on Fear Factory's sound?
1: I would have to probably say... Ooh, that's that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, it would probably have to be bands like Ministry and Godflesh were the ones who really... Might have opened my eyes. I mean, I might have, I've, I know I listened to craft work like way, way, way back, but it wasn't anything that really left an impact on me until I heard, you know, more guitars that were mm. mixed in with industrial music. That's when I was like, it had a really big impact on my writing and how I view music, on how I, how I create it, um, you know, Ministry, Godflesh, and then of course, everything else after that, Nine Inch Nails and Einstein, the Neubotten, you know, a German band, um, and, and, you know, and it just goes on from there. So, Well,
2: in, in regards to your tone, you know, as a player, like, no one sounds like you. You've just got that unique guitar tone. It's so distinct, man, and uh, even back in the day, like, it was so far ahead of its time. Do you remember when you stumbled across your signature sound?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of do. Um, you know, obviously, I liked all different types of music. I liked all different types of but you know, but my main music that I love is in my heart is metal. I love mm-hmm. all different types of metal. Right. And I remember when I had my first Marshall head and I got the head modified to give it more distortion. And I was like, okay, I, oh, okay. Wow. And then I started getting into, I realized that I wasn't exactly the best soloist, you know? So, okay, I'm going to concentrate on rhythms, you know, like a, like a,
0: like a Malcolm Young,
1: not an Angus Young, but like a Malcolm Young.
2: Malcolm, yeah. want
1: to concentrate on rhythms, yeah. And so I just got really into you know playing rhythm guitar, and I was like, and then I just started getting into bands like Slayer and Metallica, and all the double picking, all the fast picking, all the down picking, triple tri- picking triplets, and all different forms of type of picking. And I was like, then then one day I heard Metallica. I heard the the, um, Injustice for All record. There's a song on the record called One. And in the middle of the song, there's a breakdown part where the guitars and the drums syncopate together. And they go, how can I live? How can I die? That one little part was like, wow, why can't, Metallica do that all the time why can't the drum the kick drums follow the guitar all the time like that one section mm. now all of a sudden just I got I got in, I got infatuated with that one little part now I'm like why can't people do this like why are not other bands why are not any other bands doing this you know so you know you, you hear here and there in parts of songs of other bands and there's not really a whole band that's focused you know a whole song a whole album with that style and that's kind of like how I developed my style. I just focused on that one part. Like, boom, I wanted to make my guitars and the kick drums syncopated with the guitars. So, and then I was like, well, we need to make it more industrial to make it sound more like, like it's a machine playing this stuff. Like, you know, and so we just locked in super tight. And we have a song called South Byers Resistor. And you can hear, you know, in particular on that one song where where it's a stop, I call it the stop-start, or the start-stop effect, where you go, burr, 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 where it stops and starts, or starts and stops, you know what I mean? That's kind of like how we started, that's kind of like how we developed our style over the years, and it just kind of grew from there.
2: Man, that's an amazing story. You know, I've always wanted to ask you that. <laughs> we used to talk about it back in the day, like, Man, how does he do it, you know? And, yeah, I can't wait to show uh The rest of the boys that loud. Because, yeah, thank you for answering that because that's an amazing story. I just learned
1: how to stop and start um, and really palm mute and learn how to stop the guitar to where it wouldn't make any noise when you stopped. Because you listen to recordings when people stop, you could still hear the noise of the guitar of when you stop. You hear like, or something like that. You'll hear something. Whereas I learned how to... Completely make my guitar dead with foam. I put foam everywhere on my guitar. You don't see it, but I put yeah. foam in the cavity of my guitar. I put foam uh, on the top of the headstock because it, it stops the resonance. Because when you go, you hear like a resonance, yeah. resonance of the guitar resonating, right? Well, I made it so dead that the guitar doesn't resonate. So, so when you stop. It stops.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> You're that's giving away the secrets. <laughs> that's how I made
1: it. Of course, of course, the right hand has a lot to do with it, the palm, the picking. Of course, it has a lot to do with it, but when you stop, I made it to where it stops. You
2: know what I mean? That's unreal, man. That's that's totally unreal. Well, man, uh, we're going to go to the track make now, and uh, we'll follow up with uh, Zero Signal because that's, the one that kicked it all off for me back in 1997 when I was a young lad. So uh, thanks for hanging tonight, Dino, and uh, we'll see you at the Tivoli in Brisbane on June 2nd, my friend.
1: Thank you very much for having us on, on your show. And uh, again, you know, we can't wait to go to Australia and play for everybody again. So play new songs, play old songs, just the whole lot, the best of your factory.
0: Hey guys, just want to take a minute to give a shout out to our podcast supporters, RW Promotion, who are the best in the business when it comes to printing posters, flyers, banners, badges, business cards, you name it. They've got what it takes to help you get everything you need to help spread the word about your band or business. And uh, with a blistering turnaround, they'll make sure you get your product ASAP. So get in touch with Richard and the team at www.rwpromotion.com.au or shoot them an email at info at rwpromotion.com.au. Also, want to give a shout-out to the guys at Blacklight Art and Design, who, in my opinion, are the Gold Coast's best screen printers. So, uh, you know, we've gotten many band shirts, and even our own Rabid Noise shirts done through these guys, and uh, they've also got one of the fastest turnarounds I've ever seen. So, all quality prints at competitive prices. Uh, so, whether it's band merchandise, sporting teams, promotional garments, or workwear, you know they've got you covered. So hit them up at www.blacklightad.com.au or email them at info at blacklightad.com.au. So big thanks to those guys for helping us to bring you this podcast each and every week and for, of course, supporting the metal scene. So now it's back to Rabid Noise. Seeing it at a
1: hotel is not the same thing as seeing it at the Fisher House. The Fisher House, I know, is a huge part of land recovery. For somebody like my husband, for them to know that their family members are being taken care of, that's a huge burden off of them. So they can concentrate on their
0: therapies. Just having that assurance that no matter what, as long as we were there for Anson, that someone would be there to take care of us. It took so much weight off our shoulders. How can you help? Go to fisherhouse.org.